This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. It's two minutes past nine and you are tuned to 102.7, 3RRR. Maybe you're listening via rrr.org.au. This is Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. And I'm John Ford. How are you, John? I'm doing really well. Great to hear. Yes, indeed. Excellent. Looking forward to a big show yeah. full of winners. 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 Winners are grinners. That's it. Yeah. Everyone's win- a winner. Winners for our coastal environment. So. Yeah. Mm. And lots and lots of other stuff too. Hey, thank you very much, Tim, for a wonderful three hours of Vital Bits. Absolutely. And uh, thank you, Andrew, for his 49th episode of Soulful Bits. We uh, incorrectly advised that last week was the 49th episode of Soulful Bits. I've, I've decided I'm going to take that approach to my birthday. <laughs> I'm just going to make it the same year. Year yeah. after year from now on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're years away, Bron. Years and years and years away. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm telling everyone. Um, <laughs> and, yes, next week, the big 50th episode of Soulful Bits. So fabulous, fabulous nice. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into the program. Mm-hmm. Winners. Yeah, winners. And I'm going to say every single nominee for the Victorian Coastal Awards is a winner. That's right. Yep. Because they're all doing amazing things for our... Coastline. That's right. From our environment. Mm-hmm. So hats off to all of you who, uh, if you were nominated for an award, there were six categories where awards were given and we're going to go through those and highlight the people who were the groups that were um, presented with awards, but we're also going to mention the other groups who didn't get the, the shiny plaque on the night or whatever it was. I think it was a glass trophy. It looked kind of beautiful in the photos <laughs> that I saw. Um, but, yes, congratulations They're still making a difference. They That's absolutely it. are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and what else have we got, John? 
Yeah, then um, we're having uh, Diego Barnesia on after um, to talk about a new interesting um, work that they, he's done. He's a scientist um, who was based at Monash Uni now in Sydney. Um, some really interesting work around oh, fish when they grow. Do the bigger ones, do they produce more, more eggs? Than the little ones, and, and how does that affect the way we we do we understand fish populations and the way we manage fisheries? So it's going to be really interesting to hear about his new research. Yep, mm. really looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, in between, we'll be catching up with Doctor Surf for a surf report, mm-hmm. which will be good. And we've got a whole bunch of news as well. Yeah, I got some news. I'll cover some um, yeah some things going on in the Great Barrier Reef, not mostly in the catchment actually, um, but also in some of the funding commitments um, about improving improving the water quality on the reef and. Um, keeping our reef there for the future, which um, is a mountain that we continue to climb. Mm. And we'll be doing for quite some for quite time. Quite some time. Indeed. Yeah, in, yeah. Excellent. I've got a couple of newsy bits too. Shall we do some weather to kick off? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's um, it is, it's autumn. It's autumn and it's raining uh, finally. Um, my garden likes it anyway. Uh, so today we've got a top of 17 degrees, an 80% chance of rain, one to four millimetres. And basically looks like we're going to get sort of light rain all across the coastal areas, um, not so much in the inland. Um, look, tomorrow, uh, 16 degrees is pretty much, it's going to be 16 or 17 all week. So keep that in mind, 16 or 17 all week, and it's pretty much going to be small amounts of rain all week as well. So we've got tomorrow is going to be cloudy, higher chance of showers, less likely in the afternoon, winds westerly to 20 to 30 uh, kilometres an hour. So looks like we've got actually got westerly winds, 20 to 30 kilometres an hour all week, 16 to 17 degrees all week, about a millimetre of rain all week. So <laughs> it's just going to be that kind of grey, grey kind of cloudy feel to it so that's uh that's what the week looks like um the tide times today um we've got a low at 8 49 at point lonsdale and we've got a high this afternoon at 3 56 p.m um would you like me to read the surf or we're getting a surf report later on uh we are getting a surf report later on so oh, maybe okay, we'll, hold right. off on we'll, that one. we'll hold off on that one i reckon all right nice good one um what do we do? Do yeah. some news? Yeah. This was in uh, Pigeonhole. Thank you, whoever popped that one in. From the Australian Marine Conservation Society. And they are welcoming Brisbane City Council's ban on straws, balloons and bottles. Ah, yes. This is good, John. Yeah. Stra- the balloon one is really interesting too. Mm. Yeah. And the straws. It's all single-use plastics, right? So they're banning all the single-use ones, which really, I mean, seriously single use i mean we're creating something which is you know was initially created to last forever i mean that's the whole point of plastics initially was to create this a tough indestructible um thing and now we've got to a point where we're creating them for single use mm. like it's insane it is um, insane <laughs> when you look at it in those terms when you look at it in like bakelite and these old things but made back you know 50 60 years ago you know we're making these things you know in your toaster or whatever it was meant to be it was meant to then last forever because that was a new big thing and what science was giving us with these you know was was was, was you know but now we're turning them so you can use them for five minutes, five, 20 seconds, you know, and then throwing out. It's kind of crazy. Mm. Mm. So good on you. Brisbane City Council, they have moved to ban single-use plastic straws and water bottles and phase out helium balloons from their events. So they're obviously, you know, not able to... Ban them across the city. But no, but, but from, from their, their events. own events. So that's a good thing. It's good. And I, look, I think that's something that's going to grow. Um, Ken was showing me earlier on the National Geographic, um, the cover of the National Geographic this month um, is an amazing photo. And, and I, um, Ken showed us before and I would um, advise everyone, if, you, if you're interested to 
to have a look at it because um, it really, yeah, it's it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's kind of like wow, like plastic is no is a real problem and it's, it, the, the whole um, I haven't read it but there's a lot of articles in about plastic in our, in our oceans and the problems that they create so um, yeah have a look at that Indeed mm. Hey uh, it mentions here how many events Brisbane City Council has <laughs> This one's just jumped out I'm quite surprised about this I probably yeah. shouldn't be 50,000 50, They hold 50,000 events per year Yeah <laughs> That's a lot of events It's potentially a, a lot of straws council. It's a lot of straws <laughs> A lot of Helium balloons and a lot of single-use water bottles. So that's great. Good Mm -hmm. stuff. Let's hope other councils take take some uh, inspiration from that and follow suit. Indeed. Um, Any more news? Right. Well, I've got um, a little bit about oil and gas exploration, actually. It's Mm. been, um, been, yeah, in the news during the week. Um, In Victoria, we have a moratorium on onshore gas drilling, right? So there's no fracking or hydraulic, you know, anything like that. We can't search for gas on onshore. Um, but there's been calls of a little bit of hypocrisy here because you can uh, drill for gas offshore and they're releasing at the moment, the Victorian state government, some exploration areas which are within three nautical miles of the of the coast in the Otway region. Um, and there's the, the capacity there to drill down a little way and then drill diagonally into the land and effectively be taking oh. gas from under the land. So it's, it's, it, it is not saying this is going to happen, but this is sort of what's been put out there as a possibility from these things, given that, that the, uh, the, what's happening in the wa- on the water is so close, but um, so close to the land. Look... It, there's a lot of oil and gas and we, we produce a lot, um, twice as much gas as we use in Victoria. So we're actually an exporter of gas. Um, so it is, it is a big business down here. Um, but it certainly affects all the activities that also try to work with it on the water. And certainly for our, um, our professional commercial fishing industry, um, your oil and gas continues to be a major challenge um, to the point where, yeah, they've offered in, in recent years, particularly to our rock lobster and our abalone um, fisheries, um, compensation to um, because of the disruption of you know, they, they've got fish but they can't go there because there are oil and gas activities. So oil and gas tends to always trump other activities on the water. And we mm-hmm. see that with marine parks. Mm-hmm. We see that across Australia and across the world, really, given that oil and gas has quite a lofty position and sits outside of what most other... Because you'll find marine parks, the first thing that they tend to be zoned around or zoned out of are places of oil and gas. And uh, you see that around the world and we'll see that here as well. So that's just the way of the world, though, at just the moment. Just to show <laughs> the, uh, the influence of the dollar... Absolutely. We, we like an established, big established industry. Yeah. Once you're well established in, in within within the community, we will continue to follow this story. Mm. Mm. It's interesting to see what will happen there. That's right. <laughs> it is coming up to eleven minutes past nine, and you are listening to Radio Marinara. We're going to play a track now, and this is for. Actually, I have a little announcement to make before I play this track. It relates to uh, someone who's going to be joining our team, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you might have <laughs> the been, team. you know where I'm going with yeah, this. Yeah, know. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Kate Mills, who's been on our program, oh, you know, he's been a regular guest. Yeah. Um, wearing his hat with uh, his day job, but he's also involved in so many other marine and coastal related groups. Um, and he put his hand up and said, you know, I'd actually kind of like to join your team. And we thought, well, actually, we'd kind of like to have you. So uh, you'll be hearing a lot more from Cade from here on. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So welcome to the team. And uh, the other big announcement relating to Cade is last week, I uh, actually rang him to say, you know, 
welcome to the team. And he said, well, uh, yes, I'm welcoming in addition to my own team. So he and his partner, Kerry, welcomed a baby boy into the world uh, only a few hours before I called him. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, congratulations, Kate and Kerry, and uh, welcome to the world, little Zeke. I'm playing this track for you. This is from Jenny Thomas, and thank you to Jenny. She sent this through, especially with a lovely handwritten note for us. This is from a 2006 release of hers called, um, the album is called Farewell to Old England Forever, and this one's for you, little Zeke. It's called Little Fish. Eighteen minutes past nine. You are listening to Radio Marinara on Three Triple R. Little uh, uh, message from Cade saying thanks for the track and <laughs> his baby's name is now Little Fish. A little fish. A little nickname. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> hey, John, we're going to turn our attention to the Victorian Coastal Awards 2018. Absolutely. So, uh, Victorian Coastal Awards. So, what? Are the, who are they celebrating? Uh, they are celebrating. Well, there are seven different categories. There yeah. were this year anyway. But um, people and organisations who are doing great things to assist government, mm-hmm. I suppose, but also maybe not. They're just doing it anyway yep. uh, to improve the marine and coastal environment of Victoria. Which they should receive thanks every day, not just once a year. But <laughs> That's well done, true. guys. Every week we can give them thanks for week, Well, we do on this program. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, we do. So we thought we would. Uh, I have. I have the uh, award. What, what is it? Whatever it is, the booklet in front of me. The people who were actually honoured with awards. Right. So there was an the award week. night during there the week where they got presented with these and the winners from from those different categories. That's right. Fantastic. So there are seven categories. They are improving the physical environment, biodiversity conservation, planning and management, education, community engagement, partnerships in research and monitoring, and outstanding individual achievement. Mm. So lots of different categories. We mentioned a few weeks ago if people wanted to make some nominations, they could do that. certainly. I imagine there'll be a few which may have appeared on this show before. (laughs) I was about to say that. I a feeling. I read through this last night. I went, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. So, yes, you're yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people in here have been on our program. So congratulations yeah. to all. <laughs> we will go through quickly because there are seven categories and we've got about ten minutes to do it. Um, uh, the winners. So improving the physical environment, this was awarded for outstanding contribution to conserving and protecting physical and coastal marine environments. Demonstrated excellence in sustainable design, building and infrastructure that respects and complements Victoria. Victorian coastal landscape and incorporates ecological sustainable design and construction principles. And the, the winner, winner was is... Kingston City Council for their Mordialic Life Saving Club and Aboriginal Gathering Place. So they've done some really great stuff in uh, in building a new gathering place, um, offering Kingston Koori Mob a sense of belonging and community. So great stuff. Mm, yeah, it's got a life saving club, recreational space, people to yeah um, engage with the Indigenous community. It's awesome. Yeah. So really, really good. Um, Special commendations, we want to mention these as well. The Tambo Bluff Coast Care Group. So they've done some really great stuff, um, championing a major program of environmental protection and rehabilitation, targeting the natural areas and coastal wetlands. So they've revegetated five hectares of public land. Uh, They've improved some riparian zones and protecting feeder gullies and uh, over 30,000 native plants established and a whole lot more. So congratulations, you guys. That's on the Tambo Tambo River. Yes. Um, Finalists also Parks Victoria for their Port Arlington Safe Harbour. Program. 
There you go. Yeah, nice. Next category, biodiversity conservation. So this was for uh, outstanding contribution to enhancing, conserving and protecting coastal and marine ecosystems and species. Mm -hmm. The winner of that award, John? Was Gippsland Ports for the Gippsland Lakes Migratory and Shorebird Habitat Restoration. So the Gippsland Lakes and um, through the whole area are very important for for the migratory birds and there's Ramsar areas in there through as well. And, yeah, so they've done some great, great work around... We keep saying great work. They've done some really wonderful things um, <laughs> um, identifying yeah identifying and creating critical habitat for the for these birds when they do come so there's little fairy turns and little turns as well um, and yeah hooded plovers and a whole lot of other things so um, they've been doing yeah good work there so a big shout out to the f- other finalists uh, the nature conservancy for their lost shellfish reefs of port phillip bay restoration program we know nice all about one. that john nice one simon nice one ben yep yep so we've uh, we've uh, had uh, play, um, those guys have been yeah, on the program quite a lot sure. talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, BirdLife Australia, Friends of the Hooded Plover, Far West Victoria. So they were a finalist as well for restoring the balance for hooded plovers in the West. Good old hooded plovers and, yeah, uh, well, and wonderful work done by those guys. Absolutely. And there's so, around, the, around birds, I mean, there's shorebirds, there's so so many people um, who are so passionate and active around Victoria and shorebirds. It's, um, it's really inspiring. Mm, yeah, yeah. It is. Third category, planning and management. So this was awarded for programs or initiatives that turn planning into demonstrably better protection, improvement and sustainable use or development of Victoria's coastal and marine environments. And the winner of that group... Is, um, well, kind of good for friend has kind of started to some extent here on this program yeah. when when um, when the when PJ Hirschfield came in here um, but the winner is project Banjo Action Group, which is a group of, and then also Fisheries, Vic, Victorian Fisheries Authority, Future Fish, Boating Industry Association Victoria and Fish, Car, Fish Care, and it's all around safeguarding stingrays. So that's something that we've been following for quite a while and certainly been been championing, um, championing that. So um, there's a lot of rays, uh, banjo rays in particular around, around um, at Port Phillip Bay in particular, but around Victoria, um, and there was a lot of accounts, um, and that's why PJ Hirschfield came in to say that, look, PT, these, PT sorry, PT. PT, sorry, P, not PT, PT, um, came in and, um, uh, yeah, to you know, say that, you know, there's there's been, they're not being well looked after, let's just say. That's so. right. Um, so a lot of incidents of, uh, of stingrays being found uh, either dead or injured from um, most likely people fishing on piers, pulling them up accidentally and then, and then uh, basically stabbing them and just horrific stuff but a really wonderful story to come out of this because it just goes to show what can happen when a community driven issue gets uh, taken notice of by government and change is enacted and really fantastic stuff so I actually tried to get someone from their group on the show today but they were all out partying last night no they're partying partying we can't guarantee what state will be on Sunday morning Um, finalists in that category were Bass Coast Shire Council for their Inverloch Surf Beach Erosion response. So a big issue with beach erosion on Bass Coast, um, particularly in Inverloch, and they responded to that by doing some great stuff, um, building new pedestrian vehicle pathways, uh, relocating and de- redesigning the observation tower, improved pedestrian access uh, and uh, reforming a natural dune profile and some other work as well. So fantastic. Congratulations. Um, other finalists were Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning for their Sorrento Seawall. We've talked about that one quite a lot as well. Category number four, education. So this is awarded for development or delivery of an education program or initiative that raises awareness and improves understanding of both natural and cultural assets 
uh, in Victorian coastal and marine environments. The winner, John. The Great Ocean Road Coast Committee for the Great Ocean Road Coastal Education Next Generation of Coastal Protectors. So they've been out there working a lot with the younger younger folk and students um, in terms of you know, educating around the importance of, of our coastal environment and what they can do. And so had over 2,000 um, students investing 650 hours of conservation work um, and also a lot of education around campus and general public um, around the around the, the Great Ocean Road coast there. So, Congratulations. Finalist in that category, Melbourne Down Under. So Cherie Maris uh, with the work that she's done, uh, raising awareness of marine values of Port Phillip Bay. Uh, so a whole lot of work done there by Cherie. So congratulations as finalist. And the Bellarine Catchment Network, big shout out to uh, our long time once, and we're going to get her back at some point, Cathy Jack, um, who has been our panel beater for many years. She's now involved in the Bellarine Catchment Network, caring for our bays program. So they did some uh, really fantastic work down on the Bellarine Peninsula raising awareness of uh, the issues down there. We're going to catch up with them at some point in the future. Uh, Category number six, community engagement. So this award given for outstanding contribution to improving understanding and connection with coastal and marine environments through engagement with a wider community. The winner, John? Is Estuary Watch Victoria, which is great. It's been going for a long, uh, for, a, for a while now, but um, Estuary Watch um, monitor water quality um, and uh, in, our, in our estuaries and around our, around our coastline and it's a community monitoring system. So most of these are mostly community um, organisations, not all of them, but this one certainly is. And so they've got um, 18 Estuary Watch groups around Victoria and they've done 6,731 observations um, yes in the, in the past little while so it provides uh, important information on you know on water quality results of where where problems are where things are doing well and yeah so we can monitor monitor what flows into our oceans mm. excellent finalist in that category Beach Patrol Australia with their beach cleanup work Neil Blake has been uh, on talking about the great work that Beach Patrol Australia are doing there's so many groups locally uh, I'm not going to read them all out because there are a lot of them. There'd probably be about 20, um, but they do some fantastic advocacy work um, using Beach Patrol data to lobby for change. Um, they do some great community engagement work and obviously they're very practical hands-on work of litter removal. Um, the Bowen Estuary Project was another finalist, uh, so doing some great work um, with community engagement in the Bowen Estuary region. So nature explorations, uh, they have a watching diary, lots of free forums, newsletters, monthly litter counts. Uh, Uh, And the Middle Island Project Working Group. So uh, this is the group that inspired the film Oddball. So relating to the introduction of Marema dogs onto Middle Island and um, really doing some great work in resolving the issue of uh, little penguins being taken by foxes. Mm. Um, so brilliant. Uh, nice. Sixth category, we'll whip through these because there's one more. Partnerships in research and monitoring. So awarded for outstanding partnerships in research and or monitoring supporting or involving citizen science, student science or the interface between traditional owner knowledge and science. And the winner, John? The winner is uh, the Deakin University Park Victoria and the University of Melbourne for the Victorian Marine Park Habitat Mapping and Monitoring Program. So we did have some lines drawn on the map and we knew what was under some of it and we didn't for a long time really know what was in our marine parks, particularly the deeper areas. And so there's been a fantastic collaboration um, of getting getting out there and actually working out what does the seabed look like, what is living on that seabed and yeah, we've we've come so far in the past few years. Um, they're led by Deakin University um, and we've had we've had Dan Ericonadou and we're here before but um, yeah and yeah that we now know so much more about our marine parks which is... Um, Yeah. Great as a scientist and great as a member of the public. Brilliant. Congratulations. And the... uh 
Oh, dual winners, Victorian Waiter Study Group. Um, Victoria's oh, dual winners, dual winners uh, for their work with the Victorian uh, Victoria's Migratory Waiters and Turns. Four decades of research for 40 years, the Victorian Waiter Study Groups conducted high-quality, long-term scientific research on international migration routes, annual breeding success, population monitoring and the ecology of many migratory waiters and key resident species like oyster catchers and crested terns. 40 years of research, that's just amazing. So yep. congratulations. And a finalist in that category, Dr Sarah McSweeney, from the School of Geography at the University of Melbourne with her work on artificial estuary openings along Victorian coast and uh, looking at better understanding of those processes leading to better management. And the final category, John, uh, in yes, individual. Yes, individual achievement. And the winner this year is Marg O'Toole. So Marg's been a key contributor to coastal marine research, planning, management and environmental education in Victoria for over 25 years. So I think she's pretty much been involved with, with mostly mostly everything. Um, and she's been on Western Coastal Board, uh, National Park Advisory Group, Surf Coast Marine Protected Areas. Um, uh, yeah, she and she gets out there and um, motivates people and educates people on environment. And she has done a really great job. Um, currently, I believe at Parks Victoria has been a Parks Ranger there for quite a while. So, yeah, Brilliant. good one, Margot Tool. Fantastic. That's Margot Tool with a G, not Mark Marg, O'Toole yeah, with, with a with K. G. Yes, that's Former it. Triple R Breakfast presenter, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Congratulations to all the winners. Uh, if there were nominees in the individual achievement, apologies for not mentioning uh, your name, um, only because my printer decided to die. <laughs> After, after printing all those pages and um, didn't get to print the last few pages, but I'll go and have a look at the uh, at the program and we'll give you a mention next week. You're listening to Radio Marinara here on Three Triple R. Now, when it comes to the relationship between fish size and egg production, it's been long known that size actually matters. Basically, larger fish produce more eggs and offspring than smaller fish do. However, the jury's out in the world of fish biology in terms of how proportionate this relationship is between fish size and reproductive output. Does a two kilogram fish make the same number of eggs as two fish that each weigh one kilogram? Some say yes, some say no, and some say it depends. Dr. Diego Barnecci is a postdoctoral fellow from the University of Sydney's Evolutionary and Ecological Physiology Laboratory. He's just had a paper published in Science on this very matter and he reckons he and his co-authors have cracked this old nut. He now joins us from Sydney to tell us more. Good morning, Diego. Welcome to Radio Marinara. Morning, Brian. Uh, let's start with the title of your paper. Fish reproductive energy output increases disproportionately with body size. Um, what, what does this mean? Well, so it basically means that for the majority of species for which we had data, uh, and we did this analysis for 342 species of marine fish, larger females produce disproportionately more and larger eggs than smaller females. So the, the critical word here is disproportionately, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Right. Um, let's go back to this area of study in general. Can you take us through the story of the theory and experiments in this field? What, what sort of kicked this all off? Uh, so basically the, when we did the study, I was a postdoc um, with the Centre for Geometric Biology at Monash University. Um, and the idea of the center is to understand why animals grow the size that they do, basically. Um, and many theories, they consider that larger mothers produce proportionately the same number of offspring as smaller mothers do. But the idea never really sat well with us because it doesn't really give a big advantage to growing large. Uh, 
Uh, so we wanted to investigate this. So we went back in the literature for over 100 years. So we went back to the 1800s and collected it for as many marine fish as we could find to try and establish what is the overall relationship between mother size and the number and the size of offspring. So that's basically what we found is that these larger mothers are producing not only disproportionate more offspring, but they're also larger in size. Mm. And it's quite a keen area. It's an area of keen interest for fishery managers, isn't it? Because uh, particularly for, um, area for fish of commercial interest, there are quite big repercussions for how fisheries are managed if too many of the wrong-sized fish are taken. Yes. Mm. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, I guess humans in general throughout history were always looking for the, the big fish, right? That's the trophy, the prize. But the problem is by removing the large fish, we're actually removing a much larger contribution to the population replenishment. So this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in reality, we need to allow many individuals to grow to their, you know, to their adult size. But we also need to allow many of them to achieve their largest size because by allowing that, we are actually increasing the population replenishment and therefore sort of contributing to the long-term maintenance of the population. So, Diego, it's John here and great study. Um, look, in a number of, um, of fisheries, the way we manage them or the way we, we sort of set rules is by doing um, what's called a slot limit, which I think kind of under, takes into account this, this particular idea that you, you guys have, have shown here in that you can fish, you can catch fish above a certain size, so you don't catch the small ones, the ones that, have, that haven't reproduced yet, and then you can't catch big ones because there was always this, this, this thought, and, and I think you write this in your paper, that amongst field biologists... Um, there's always been this sort of like observation that yes, it looks like that these big fish create way more eggs than 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 the smaller one, disproportionately, as you say. So you know this this idea of a slot limit where you can catch only fish between this limit and this limit, um, and then none above and none below um, seems to you know certainly in Australia in recreational fisheries is around. Do you think this is a good way to to to, to go about this? And would your paper certainly support this kind of management? Absolutely. Um, in, in reality, you know, Australia is within the countries that best manage their fisheries. Um, and, and this is probably one of the reasons why. Mm-hmm. So the problem is globally, what we see is that many countries still haven't, they haven't embraced that, that idea. So what they'll have is they'll have a, a, a lower limit. So they'll say, you know, below a certain size, you cannot take fish. Um, but they'll have a maximum catch rate in kilos. So they'll say, you know, you can take up to 10 kilos in a day, but that doesn't, you know, it, it basically doesn't mean you cannot take a 10-kilo fish, and that's really, you know, depending on the species, that could be really bad because, you know, you're, you're better off taking 10 fish of one kilo than one big fish of 10 kilos. So, you know, we hope that our study has this broader implication not only to you know, Australia, but also, you know, basically every country in the world um, to start better managing the way we catch our fish. Um, you mentioned that you looked at 342 species of fish from 15 different orders. How did you go yes. about selecting which species you selected? Well, so we, we had we had some previous compilations in the literature, right? So list of species for which people had been collecting this data. So that was our starting point. And then so we went back to all the original papers that those compilations were citing, and we were trying to extract the raw data. Um, and then what we did, because so I'm, I'm native from Brazil, 
Um, so I speak Portuguese, but I also speak a little bit of Spanish. And we thought, well, maybe we can complement this literature search with just systematically going to Google Scholar in three different languages, English, Portuguese, and Spanish, <laughs> and try and find as many papers in that area as we can. And that's what we did. Cool. Um, and this is a little side note, but I was fascinated by this num. This uh, they're not statistics; they're figures, they're numbers. Um, I read in your paper that fish fecundity. So this is how many eggs a fish produces, range from eleven to fifty-seven million six hundred thousand. That's such a massive variation. Can you talk us it through is. that? How how does that come about? How do you get one fish that makes eleven eggs and another that makes over fifty-seven million? Well, so this is, you know, these numbers are shocking when we look at them, you know, at face value like that. But this is an interspecific comparison. So, right, this is among different species of fish. So it's, it's basically comparing, like, the tiniest fish that we have that produces not many eggs with the fish that produces the largest amount of eggs. So, mm. you know, it's, it's a massive difference. Mm. But in reality, what we see within species, the difference is not that much. I mean, it's, you know, it's much less than that. So, Diego, do you, um, do you recall which fish was the, was it 57? 57, 57 million. million. Do, you, do, you, do you recall which species that was? Or was it a, oh, was it a big I groper or was it a big, like, what was it, like a big cod or, yeah? <laughs> Probably a big cod, but I can't, I can't quite remember now. <laughs> That's all right. That was a good one. Look, I really liked um, your, your comment you have around um, the effects of climate change um, on, on fish size and certainly um, the, the reproductive output because as oceans warm, there's been a, a lot of research to suggest that fish size will get smaller. Can you run us through a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, people have known uh, for decades that as, as the ocean warms, the size of the adult fish goes down. So this is not, it's not a novelty, right? So, for example, people have been doing this for decades. They're taking a particular fish from the sea and they're putting it at a different temperature treatment. So from like a very cold temperature all the way to a very warm temperature. And what people have seen is that the, the fish at the warmer temperatures, they achieve the size of maturity earlier, uh, but also at a smaller size. So, you know, the thing is, what we're seeing right now is that in many places on Earth, the ocean is warming so fast that the size of the adult fish are also going down. So it's not just a thing that we're seeing in the laboratory, but it's also seen in the wild. Right. So, and if you associate that with the fisheries effect that we're removing a lot of the large females from the sea, with basically what we're seeing is that there's a systematic decline in the size of average fish populations. Mm. Um, so the thing is, because we know the relationship between reproductive output and female size now, we can actually try and quantify how much climate change is going to reduce the re, you know the reproduction capacity of different populations. And that's that's exactly what we did. So from a practical point point of view, it means that we're probably going to end up having less food from our oceans uh, as it warms. That's right. Right. Well, mm. Wow. <laughs> it, is, it is scary. I know. It is very scary. <laughs> Diego, where does the future research need to be here, do you think? Well, in, in, it, I mean, it's endless, right? But re in reality, we need more data. Right, because, so for example, from a fundamental perspective, like just fundamental science, we want to we look into these relationships within populations, right? Because, so if you take, for example, you know, Baramundi or any 
any species that is relatively widespread along the coast of Australia, um, different populations might have different, they might uh, exhibit different reproductive capacities, right? Because the, the amount of food in the system might differ. Some places might have more food than others, and that will affect the number of offspring that the population has. Um, and so if we're, if we're going to really try and manage fisheries in a, a good way, we need to understand how these things are happening at the population scale. Mm-hmm. So we need more data. So we need to go out in the field and collect these females, look at how much eggs, how many eggs they have, the size of those eggs, the energy content of those eggs. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. But I guess also from, you know, just from an academic perspective, we sort of need to go back to the drawing board and remodel all the theories that we have, assuming that the females are producing disproportionately more and larger offspring. Because right now, most theories do not assume that. Mm. They just assume they produce the same amount proportionally, which is wrong. Mm-hmm. And potentially turns everything on its head. Mm. Well, yeah, but also, it, it, you know, it, it already is indicating to us that there is an evolutionary advantage to growing large, yeah. right? Because by getting to that very large size, there is a chance that that individual to spread its own genes, you know, with the higher chance to the population. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good note to end on, Diego, and we're going to continue to watch this space uh, and we would love to keep in touch with you and really see where this goes. It, it's always a wonderful and very exciting thing when a line of scientific questioning suddenly gets shot off onto a different tangent and it sounds like this is pretty much what's happening with your area of research. So thanks so much for joining us and um, let's please keep in touch and see where this goes. Cheers, Brian. Thanks very much. Thanks, Diego. All right. Have a lovely Sunday. Thanks. You too. Bye for now. We've been speaking with Dr. Diego Barnecci from the University of Sydney on, uh, and congratulations on uh, getting a paper in science. That's no small feat either. Absolutely. It, yeah, and look, I, I, let's say that I think he did this research while he was at Monash University. So he did this while he was in Victoria. So I just want to put out the flag, a Victorian flag here as well. Yeah, yeah. and uh, well done, Monash. <laughs> well done, Dustin Marshall. You're part of that too. We've, uh, we're old mates and um, we're going to drag you into the studio at some point, Dustin. So don't think you're not on our radar. And we are now going to cross to Dr. Sir for a surf report. Good morning, Dr. Surf. Morning, Brian. John's here I've too. Been inspired. I've been inspired. I watched the Royal Wedding last night. So I'm just going to go on and on and on and on and on about the power of love and Elvis and Jesus and walruses and penguins and anything else I can think of because it worked for that bishop from America, didn't it? It's certainly a, uh, it was a um, an address that has divided the world, it seems. We have so I, chosen not to go there do on you know this what? program today. I have today. no idea what you're talking about and I, I am really glad. There, I'm afraid. Because it was worth it just to see the look on Elton John's face. That was priceless. There was there were actually some priceless moments. I did catch a, a bit of it, and yeah, it's it's. So, <laughs> anyway, I think I'll just waffle on and on and on and forget about the surf report and finish up at about twenty past ten. <laughs> there, there's some doctors who might have something to say about that. <laughs> what what are the anyway? No, what's the I'll surf give doing? You a quick surf report. It's pretty good. Um, it's a bit raw. It's big. And by that, I mean you really should head down Torquay Way and it's probably going to be about four to six foot. It looks a bit lumpy and raw, quite windy. Uh, the wind's from the west, though, so that's sort of offshore. And uh, it looks good for the points. 
the only other thing I can really add, it's been a very low tide today and it's going to be a very high tide. So, What does that mean for surf? It means it rushes in very quickly and if you're at spots that don't like high tide, you might want to go a little, just a little bit earlier than normal because it comes in very quickly. I think it's a 1.8 or higher high tide. So, And this, I mean, in my, from my point of view, this is a sign of global warming. I cannot remember 1.8 high tides when I was young. Seems like They're it's very, very high. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to remember back to um, my field research days. One point eight does seem fairly extreme. Mm, and they're not. They're quite common now. Yeah. So yeah. It's one one point eight one at Point Lonsdale. One point eight one, and mm. at a low this morning of point two three. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge too. variation. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Doctor yes, Surf, we're going to. The surf's good, and it's going to be good for the rest of the week. So get out there. Excellent. And you're in next week. I am. With a couple of guests. With a special guest, I've got one guest who's a kneeboarder, a very good kneeboarder. So we're looking at the alternative side of surfing. Cool. <laughs> and um, it should be a very good show, something a little bit lightweight. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to looking forward to catching up with you then. All right. Okay. Catch you then. Okay. See ya. See ya. I'm I'm glad that Dr. Surf supports the alternative side of surfing too. Yeah, that's good. That's I think good. Dr. Surf supports the alternative side of many things. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> We've got a few minutes left. You've got some news there, John. Yeah, look, I got some news from up in the Great Barrier Reef. Um, recently, uh, in the budget, there's been 500 million dollars put towards um, repairing the reef, yes. and a lot of that, I think, about half, almost half of that, is to do with water quality, because um, water quality is a major issue. So whether it be the the sediments coming off the land or the the nutrients um, causing algal blooms and, um, you know, starving, starving corals of light, by, by whole, not just corals, everything else going on on the reef as well. Major issue that needs to be, needs to be addressed. So one of the real problems is deforestation. Um, deforestation of land, which currently, you know, you don't get much fertiliser runoff or sediment runoff on the, in those places, but which are, you know, which we're, we're seeing the removal of trees and then we're seeing problems, conversion to farmland. And, and, and so... Unfortunately for Queensland, unfortunately for the Great Barrier Reef, is that Queensland is the only advanced economy in the world's top 12 deforestation hotspots. Hot so when it comes to top 12 in the world, Queensland is there and the only advanced economy. So, you know, that's not... It's, it's something to be kind of ashamed of, really. Mm. Um, and 40% of all that clearing occurs in the Great Barrier Reef um, catchment. Um, and since July last year, over 1 million hectares of land have been approved for clearing. That doesn't mean they've been approved. And the reason for they've been approved is because they're about to change the laws to make it harder to clear. And mm. there's this rush on trying to get approval to clear. And this is, this is, the, this is the political backflip of going from one side of government to another is that they will loosen and then strengthen laws. Um, so we've got the government, uh, you know, got all this land ready to be cleared to create a whole lot of problems for the reef. But at the same time, we're, we're giving $500 million to band-aid those problems that have been caused by this. And a good example is that the, that um, 2,000 hectares up in Cape York uh, has just been a virgin forest, you know, prime, uh, prime forest that has not never been cleared before, is about to get cleared. Oh, my God. Um, which was which previously approved under the Newman government up there, the, 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 that bit of cowboy government that was up there, in my opinion anyway. Um, and, you've got to, and so it's, it's going to go ahead. And so whilst you've got Band-Aid solutions here of the problems, again, you're not actually getting at the root, core, root cause of it. And 
unfortunately, it kind of comes down to the politics of it in that uh, the politics, it's better to allow the economic development, I guess, and patch the environmental problems with money at the end of the day because you get double the exposure and you get double the time of being out there doing good things. So not only did you do um, government, you know, did you did you show that you're doing economic development, you also showed that you're doing environmental repair. Mm. But to prevent the problem, there's actually very little political capital in preventing problems because you don't get any airtime out of it. You might feel good at the end of the day, but unfortunately most politicians, from what I can see, don't, uh, aren't always looking for that. Um, and so we've got a real problem here of, yeah, of environmental problems being fixed as opposed to prevented. And the precautionary principle, which has underlined a lot, under, underpinned a lot of our environment um, philosophy, I guess, over, over the last couple of decades, has sort of gone out of the, um, gone out of the picture. And to demonstrate that, I'm talking about this 2,000 hectares of land clearing up there. Um, the, res- the federal government can stop in and stop that using the Environmental Biodiversity Conservation Act. They can say, no, no, it's got a problem. We can stop that. But the issue is, is you've got politicians, particularly from Queensland up there, the representatives who um, have come out and, and quoting things like that there is no proof that land clearing will harm the reef. Of this land clearing will harm the reef. So this particular spot, if we clear this, is no proof. And this is the issue of the reverse of the precautionary principle. So being precautionary about it, we're saying that, oh, there's no scientific proof because we've, because we've never cleared this land before. Mm. And it's a real issue. And it's, I, don't know, I just wanted to show that, that yeah, this, is, this is a big problem for the reef. So as much, throw as much money as you want towards it, but, you know, we're not actually stopping some of the core issues. No. Mm. Thanks, ah. John. <laughs> Another watch this space. That's it. Indeed. We'll be doing that for a long time. Hey, thank you, John, very much. Pleasure. It's been great having you here. Yeah. Thanks, Brom. Thank you, Kent. He's been panel beating for us today. Hey, we noticed there were a couple of people calling. Uh, I don't know how relevant the timing was straight after. Oh, they're Dr. talking about Surf's me. I mean, what? Oh, no, no. Dr. Surf it was the Dr. Surf's rant about the the wedding last night. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't know whether it was related to that or not. Sorry, there's no one here to take calls right now. Um, and also, thank you to Dr. Diego Barnetti um, for our great chat on next week's program. Um, Dr. Surf's going to be in, as we mentioned. He's going to be bringing in a couple of guests. And so we'll catch you then. Mm -hmm. The radiotherapy team are lining up to take you through to 11 o'clock when Dr. Shane and the Einsteiners will take you through to 12, when Cam will uh, and Matt will take you through to 1, and on and on we go through this wonderful programming here at 3RRR. Quick plug for Peebs too, PBS. They've got their Radio Fest on at the moment and as always we here at RRR fully support them in, in what they're doing to keep themselves going another year. So if you can, make sure you give them some support. Yep. Thanks, Brom. Great. Thanks, John. Have a great Sunday and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye, Bye for now. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.